Well, hello out there, friends. Welcome to another edition of the Modcast. My name is Jason Carter, and I'm the host. And I want to wish everybody out there during this crisis, this COVID-19 crisis, the very best. This is a very difficult situation. And I believe with all of my heart that not one single person on this planet will not be affected by this one way or the other. I'm sure it has given us all time to think and reconsider a lot of things and maybe rework the priority list in our own lives. I know, I sure have. And the one thing that I put at the very top of that list was when we come out of this, I just want to be more appreciative of everything and everyone in my life. Because up until now, we have all always heard the saying, You should always appreciate those small things. Don't take anything for granted. But the reality is, sadly, it does take something like this to earn Stop and Smell the Roses the top spot on your priority list. And I decided I'm not going to wait until we're out of this. I'm going to make sure to start paying attention to all the things that I took for granted, like going to the movies, the grocery store, or even to work. I don't know the percentages, but most people in America are working from home. And that certainly comes with its own set of challenges, the distractions, or like me, you may have three kids that are also at home all day, going to school online, to which I had to suffer the indignity of getting boxed out of their table at lunch, which was for the cool kids, not me, But even things like arranging your day or making sure you have the right technologies in-house to get the things that you need to get done, done. And before all of this began, I already was very appreciative to have Barry Liebert in my life as a friend, as a mentor, and as a partner in this show. And on today's show, we talk about some of the ways companies have evolved over the years to be prepared for something like this, having the right infrastructure, having the right mindset. And it starts to make you wonder if the so-called gig economy is just going to be the economy as we move forward in the modern business world. You are, and I am, we are working remotely during this crisis. And I'd love to hear your thoughts and get some tips for people that are going through this just as we are. Thanks so much, Jason. Um, I'm glad we're connected again. Yeah, I think the thesis we should talk about today is never waste a crisis, right? Obviously, that's a well-known political phrase. If you think about it from a business perspective, um, the same thing is true. Companies have basically quarantined their workers by creating um, work-from-home policies. But the more successful businesses, the ones that saw this coming, the ones that are already online, are using this opportunity to expand. Like I saw a statistic today that Zoom has grown more than 600% in the last two weeks, given they're taking advantage of this crisis to position their video conferencing um, solution not just for my wife, for her bridge and Spanish lessons, but for you and I to do this interview. Going forward, everything's going to be different. The restaurants that are pioneering the way, using modern platforms like Favor to 
have their services delivered on demand to people that want it when they want it and where they want it. What are the things that I can start doing and putting into play, you know, not just for crisis uh, reduction and stress, but just going forward as a normal business? So whether you're a small business or a big business or a mid-sized business, um, these times are for extraordinary opportunity. Obviously, the first thing on your agenda is to cut costs and make sure you survive. Um, one of our partners, Exor, E-X-O-R, which is the owner of Fiat Chrysler today, announced that they were making a $200 million investment in Via, which was a virtual ride sharing company located in New York. So here you see a car manufacturer already starting thinking about how do they virtualize their opportunities in this time by creating ride sharing as the markets come back. And I think everybody has to ask the same question. How can I virtualize my business? And I think where many people thought that they didn't have to go through digital transformations or use data science to understand what customers want, all of them now are being forced to do things that, you know, by the market that they wouldn't do for themselves, which is make fundamental changes to their business model and hopefully become more modern at the end of it. One of the things that I've always thought about when, you know, we talk about a, you know, a gig economy is, you know, culture. And we all know how important it is to have a vibrant office and whatnot. And I've always suspected that, you know, a work from home force would lack in culture. But what I'm actually seeing, people are figuring out ways to rally and create the environment they want digitally. It makes me wonder if it's a good idea to think not in terms of technology first, but always putting people first and then layering technology around them and underneath them so they can continue to work at a high trajectory. Absolutely. If you think about it, this is not new, right? Um, people in some shape or form communicated, not the way we're doing now, communicated without driving next door or taking their horse to their neighbor's homes or their family you know, across the country. Um, that's just accelerated. Communications has always been what it's been used for, which is helping people connect and communicate and do business. The difference is the percentages, right? Today, um, we're obviously more online than we were a decade ago or more than 100 years ago. But it's clear that this crisis um, will accelerate that for the companies that adopt these new forms of communications and begin to pivot their business models accordingly. And I think the winners are going to continue to grow and the losers are going to continue to lose. For you know, an entrepreneur out there that is starting or you know, even a legacy company, when you think about just the real estate costs, let's just keep things simple. And you have your building with 100 people and now there is nobody in it. How do you think somebody should start thinking about the capacity of, of that real estate asset and either transforming it uh, or, or downsizing that or repurposing that? I'm sure that's going to be a, a question on a lot of uh, CEOs' minds. You know, I used to be a real estate guy. I headed up the Hancock Equities Farm, which was about a $2 billion business a long time ago. And one of the things that amazed me is that real estate people thought in real assets. Um, they didn't think about people and how to serve them whenever, wherever they were. And so um, they didn't think about the fact that I left their office building, you know, the Hancock Tower in Boston, or in Chicago and went home to work. I think hopefully um, real estate people will begin to think about the fact that once you have a customer, call it a tenant, um, that you go home with them, you serve them whenever they want to need, whatever they want to need, and you're part of their equation. 
And so real estate people will begin to think more virtually, not just about their physical assets and how to be with their customers whenever and wherever they want. Um, otherwise, what will happen, and you're seeing it begin to happen now, um, the people who do have employees as customers called employers will begin to cancel their leases with large landlords and leave buildings vacant as people learn to work more and more from home. You know, this idea uh, over the last couple of weeks, what I have personally found is something I have kind of coined as meaningful motion. And I guess the easiest way for me to describe that is, you know, I live very close to a driving range, which is now closed, but you're allowed to take your own sack of golf balls up there. And what I have found that I'm doing is now on each shot, now that I have to go out and walk 100, 200 yards to get the ball, I'm really focused on each and every shot. And I'm wondering if people now that they are working in a different environment and they're not distracted by, you know, distractions and noise at work, that they are finding ways to really, you know, make that hour really count. And I, I'm, I'm curious to see if there's an improvement in quality of work over this time. I'm really confident there is. Almost everybody I do business across all of our companies, as they learn to work more and more from home, they're realizing they can build incredible cultures from home. So one of our CEOs was advocating for a cheese and wine party to keep on a Thursday night to keep their people engaged. And he knows of a company that is now uh, a cheese company that is now delivering cheese and wine to employers, employees to maintain the social fabric of the organization. And so as the smarter companies begin to modernize their business processes, finally, and modernize their business models, finally, I think they'll see that they will serve us in ways we've always wanted to be served with more flexibility about us being as employees or customers. And those that accelerate that process will win in today's world. I have, you know, big company experience and I've always wondered at the amount of time that I spent in meetings, you know, sometimes entire days blocked off. And I just know now that there's an acceleration in productivity because those two hour meetings now somehow are done in 20, 30 minutes. And it seems like more people are even participating because not everybody is very comfortable speaking around a table, but uh, in the comfort of their own home or wherever they are setting up their workstation, their ideas are actually now starting to come forth. And a lot of them are really good ideas. Absolutely. You know, standing up and doing a stand up, whether it be an engineer or a sales or marketing person is hard in person. It's a little bit easier using Zoom, right? It creates some social distance, you might argue, in terms of the business world for individuals that are not as comfortable doing stand-ups. And so I do think you're going to see more and more people acting and interacting online as we virtualize these communications. And the good news is we've all begun to get used to it. It's And it's been around a long time, from WebEx to Zoom, right? This stuff's been around a long time. It's just that companies were not comfortable giving up control because they were command and control organizations. So again, I'm really psyched that says um, this crisis will create new work styles and new workflows and new businesses. And the outcomes will be different than we anticipate, even though it might take us some time to get through this pandemic. We always talk about the modern business model, but there's going to be a modern human model that I think comes out of something like this. Absolutely. So I think about medicine, right? 
the reason that the medical industry, one of the many reasons that the healthcare industry is um, struggling, I don't mean today, struggling, is because reimbursement is based on the physical delivery of healthcare on premise, right? And we know that from a software perspective and from an e-commerce perspective, that's not the way the world works. The good news is that the healthcare industry will now finally have to accept, and maybe even the reimbursement model, telemedicine, right? Which means it's a lot less expensive for me to stay in touch with my doctor than getting in my car, driving over, seeing them to get some advice. And so as we begin to see new reimbursement models and new business models emerge, I think this pandemic will create new economics that we didn't anticipate that will be less, effect less expensive, more effective and faster to deliver. And for that, I think it will give us all more choices. Yeah, even for a, a, a legacy model like the uh, winery that is hosting the online happy hours, you know, this creates a, an opportunity to them that is uh, beyond Napa Valley or wherever they grow their grapes. You know, now they can start thinking in terms of a global platform and having wine tastings and using, uh, you know, delivery services to get the wine to anywhere, to anybody, and they can all connect via a platform. And it's just interesting to see how people are using technology to really advance not only their business and making sure they meet deadlines and hit revenue targets, but their own well-being. So I think if you think, if you take it down a level, um, and you say, okay, what are the steps that I as a company or a leader need to do in these times? It's sort of pinpoint, and there's two parts of pinpoint, which is pinpoint the cost savings that you need to take advantage of in your current business by cutting costs, changing your lease, right? Operationalizing um, things you've not done, um, using data science um, in a way that you've not used it to understand customers' needs, right? Um, and that's one side. And the other side is to think about pinpointing the opportunities, as you said, to virtualize the business and to modernize your company. I would argue that 85 to 90 percent of the companies are still, you know, if, if there's not people at their desks at 505 on Friday, they look at that as a metric to measure. And that's all they're thinking about. What are some of the, I guess, the more enlightened thoughts that should be uh, embraced or thought through by people who are struggling? Well, in fact, you asked the right question on that pinpointing um, the thoughts. What leaders don't know and what they don't understand is that it is their thoughts that determine their actions and their actions determine their outcomes. And so if leaders believe that what determines productivity the way my father used to believe is who's sitting at their desk, right? Um, and who's there at 5.05 p.m. on a Friday night or at 8 o'clock on a Friday night, then that set of thoughts determines exactly those set of outcomes. And take a real simple example, uh, the retail sector, Neiman Marcus, you know, Macy's, their thoughts, they are a retailer, that thought creates their actions. And their actions are to build stores and to operate stores. Even if they have some portion online, it's de minimis. And so the outcomes are, they're in a difficult place versus Amazon's thoughts or Jeff Bezos's thoughts is let's turn it all on its head and be online. And those are the thoughts of Jeff. And so um, what you said is correct. If a leader's thoughts don't change, then the actions of their company don't change, especially with regard to their business model. I just read this morning that Amazon bought the show, the fire, the runway. And obviously, the winners of those chosen designs will be available on the Amazon platform. 
but they are packaging it in this beautifully shot show shot in New York and Tokyo. It's as if Jeff Bezos is like recreating that experience that our mothers and wives used to feel walking into Neiman Marcus into this this new world that just excites all the senses. But he's going to use his Amazon Prime video platform and his shipping platforms to get the clothes that people see on TV right away. It's pretty remarkable. What's remarkable is that Jeff understood the relationship between that show and fashion and e-commerce. And, and in his own way, Stanley Marcus, the founder of Neiman Marcus, understood that in early when he first started the business, he combined the show, which was what he did in his Dallas stores with the experience and commerce. The only difference is um, that was you know, 40, 50, 60 years ago. And Jeff is this current Stanley Marcus of our times. He understands there's a relationship between content, community, and commerce. And that creates a modern business model that's all done virtually in real time. It really goes to show you that at the, the foundation of any business 60 years ago or six years from now, the underlying theme is going to be that human experience, whether it's walking into a Neiman Marcus and smelling you know, the perfumes and seeing all the lights and shiny glass or watching a show on your HD 70 inch TV that you order from Amazon. And now you're, you're getting this, this experience of watching someone design a very high end dress or suit that you might be wearing in the next week or so. Right. Because I, I, I watched that show last week with my wife because she loves the runway shows. So think about how fast um, he has accelerated from runway to my my wife's closet versus, you know, something taking place at the French runway, then some retailer buying the rights to it, some manufacturer manufacturing it and distributing it. You know, it's a year or three or four seasons. This is a week. So the distance in a modern business law between content connection and commerce has shrunken the way it's done in the financial markets, not yet to seconds or milliseconds like it is in the financial markets, but to a week. And the other business models are months and a year. Consumers, they don't want to wait that long anymore. I uh, have a funny story about Tim Gunn. I was in New York and I was getting on the airplane and I had been in sales meetings all day. Looks terrible, all rumpled up. And as I'm shuffling back into coach, I see that Tim Gunn sitting in first class and I just said, hey, Tim, what do you think? And kind of showed my rumpled sports coat. And without skipping a beat, he said, you can do better. <laughs> well, I think, I think that's a good summary for today's business leaders is that they can do better. Is having worked for literally hundreds of boards and probably my wife says a thousand CEOs in the last 30 years, very, very, very few have changed their business model. And as Clay Christensen, who recently passed um, very important business leader says, the reason they don't change their business models is because in the first instance, they don't know what their business model is. They know their operating models, not their business models. I think this is a chance for leaders to look beyond the current crisis and, and do the hard things. So not to suggest that cutting costs aren't hard, but the hard thing is to change your business model, is to move from a legacy business model today's modern business model, which is an AI-powered multi-sided platform in which everybody participates and everybody wins, right? 
so that the workers, they have their own freedom and they win from the way they get compensated. The customers win because they have choices about how they want to pay and how they want to win. Um, the suppliers provide different solutions. Um, they get paid the way they want to get paid and they win. And the companies that orchestrate all that, which are those people that are basically provide the networks and the platforms, they win by basically taking a little piece of every action. Hopefully today leaders will look beyond the pandemic and say, how do I pivot my business model by pin pin pinpointing my thoughts and actions and realizing I don't have to keep doing the same thing anymore. Mm -hmm.